Hey, I'm Angie. And I'm Emily. Being a creative person in the corporate space can be really tough, and we should know. Join us to talk about how to be a right brain in a left-brained world. It's The Artist at Work. Hi, everybody. A couple of weeks ago, we talked here about strengths and weaknesses and how those words are sort of bad words and we'd like to redefine them. And today we're going to kind of knock on a similar door in talking about the concept of value propositions, expressing and communicating and figuring out what our own value is as workers, as entrepreneurs, as human beings. It's sort of a gross way, I think, to talk and think about it. Um, But it is an important exercise to go through, I think, we think, um, whether or not you are a corporate employee, a small business owner, a large business owner, a freelancer, or anything in between. It's important to communicate, you know, what you do, why you do it, what you're good at, and how you're different from other folks in your same space. So, uh, Angie, talk to me about you and value propositions as far as your small business goes. I think this is a really interesting topic as all the different stages I've been in as a creative, right? So thinking about myself when I was job searching or when I was trying to stand out from other designers when I'm when looking for jobs and building a portfolio and all of those things. And I feel like you put on such a different lens and cap when your audience is a hiring manager. So now flipping in kind of on its head and I'm my own business, I'm trying to attract clients. I'm working through kind of how, when I'm growing and scaling, how am I going to stand out from my competitors? And how am I going to make sure that I'm attracting the right people and my message is resonating with those people? So literally, as we speak, I'm going through this exercise where I'm trying to define my I help message to make it really clear. And the formula I'm using that I know a lot of small business owners also use to some regard, like this is a pretty normal formula. But my my thought process is I help or support, however you want to talk about it, noun. So whomever those people are, do what, whatever they're trying to do, their pain point, their level up, their next step for X result. So I'm really playing with that formula of words and trying to figure out what's right. And I'm not there yet. I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm close, but soon I think you'll start to see the way I speak a little more deliberate based on that I help statement and really wanting to zero in on the people who are best suited for me and I'm best suited for them. Another way I've heard people talk about this a little more casually, think of it more like an elevator pitch is what do people say when they talk about your business? Like, oh, Angie, she helps creative professionals in a career pivot. Like something very simple like that. I think both of those are super important so people can learn how to talk about you and refer you even as a business owner. So that's kind of where I'm at. I like the idea of giving somebody else language to sort of, you know, sort of deliberately or not kind of get the word out about you. That's a cool way to think of that. I look at all of this stuff as with, I do, you know, almost everything that I work with and on and in and around in my professional life is sort of an audience exercise. So again, I'm much loosey goosier as far as like the way I express my own quote unquote value. Really, I just have two questions and it's, you know, how can I help and how is my help different from everybody else's? And that, you know, depends on who I'm talking to. It depends on what I'm working on. Um, And truly, I think that all of these things are really customizable for me 
project to project almost, you know, I, I, I have the same set of core skills that I bring to everything. And those are sort of talked about as a result of the way I talk about how I can help. But yeah, for me, it's just always very like, as it is for most people doing these exercises, you know, it's just very, very audience specific as much as it possibly can be for me. Yeah. I think that really having questions to, you know, roll up to and think about each time you interact or each time you write a cover letter, or each time you contribute to a portfolio site, is there, can you give us an example of maybe how that comes to life for, for our listeners? I talked recently about how I give these quarterly uh, seminars at my workplace that are sort of like how to, you know, write at work and how to be a little bit more of an effective communicator, how not to use jargon. Every quarter we cover something a little bit different, but I sort of sell these as letting people know that like I can give them the tools that they need to communicate a little more clearly. You know, everybody's working really fast. And I think one of my message points in this is always like, this is going to help you work more efficiently, faster. It's going to improve relationships to be very deliberate in your communications. And, you know, in this case, I have an easy way to sell my value because I, you know, my help being different from everybody else's is that they're stuck with me. They're a captive audience. <laughs> I am I am a free resource within my organization to my organization. Um, so it just probably makes sense to come to me with it rather than pay an outside trainer to give them the same advice, probably better advice. Perfect example. Perfect example. So there are a lot of different ways to create and reasons to create a, a value prop, I guess, for yourself. I create them a lot when I'm working in corporate jobs as sort of more for and about my discipline than I do for and about myself. But, you know, when I have been in the past a job seeker, you do want to, you know, as you said earlier, create sort of an elevator pitch for yourself. It really, to me, I always think about like, what would I put in my cover letter? I read a lot of cover letters and it always kind of surprises me that I see so many of them not really lead with like what somebody could add to the organization. Not that I like love to tow a company line all the time, but just again, I think that sort of that audience awareness for me is really important. So I sort of want people to tell me what they can do for me, which sounds stupid, but like that's kind of a sales tactic, right? Like that's how you get people interested. And so somebody telling some stranger telling me what they want isn't particularly compelling to me as somebody who's reading 50 of these things. I'd much rather hear you know, what they, their sort of assessment of my organization, how they can help, what their special talents are, you know, how they are suited for this organization and the issues that we face. Um, so I think that already, if you're thinking about your audience in that way and thinking about your value prop and your elevator statement and cover letter and however else you want to think about it as really audience forward and really differentiating, I think that puts you way ahead of the pack. Yeah. And I think you have a, you know, a special, group of talent you're looking for too, right? You're, for the most part, you oversee many things at this point, but if you're overseeing a writer or a content creator, somebody who's going to manage all of your email, for instance, that is somebody who needs to be audience aware from the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. They need to be super curious and research-based and know what their what the job is. They, they need to be really on top of it, I think. So a cover letter is very important. Whereas from my past lives, cover letters um, have been something I barely even glance at. I'm looking at a portfolio. I'm looking how they talk about their work. I'm looking up their instant 
like their social media profiles and I'm seeing what, how they're like living their lives. And then I'm basing like, are they asking good questions in the interviews and the phone screens are, are they, um, do they just want a job or do they want a job here? And is that good or bad? So like, there's all of those different kind of weighing, like, you know, situations that you weigh based on the function you're hiring for too. Yeah, totally. I'm overly sensitive to people either having bad cover letters or worse, none at all. Because <laughs> if you're not showing me how you can write when you're applying for a writing job, then why are we here? And I yeah. get, you know, some people just need to apply to jobs and that's fine. And everybody just needs to make money. And your your corporate job does not need to be your passion and you don't need to throw all of yourself into it. And I should give that disclaimer because right now it sounds like I'm a corporate shill and I promise I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you're not too. Thank you. I think, you know, you mentioned that you've, you've been sort of going through these exercises yourself and there are so many different guides on the internet and in uh, podcasts and self-help books and career advice books and any number of other resources that templatize these exercises. And we are not going to share anything new there. But I think what's most important to me and probably you too, is that there's a certain level of authenticity in all of these. And I think that like, rather than just like, only trying to write your value prop or your, you know, whatever it is, um, as something that other people, you think other people want to hear. I think it's really important to remain really authentic to yourself. I think that like being able to say, I hate corporate BS and I don't speak in jargon, which are two of my like longstanding tenets of my professional life that goes a long way. And I'm not going to change those things about myself. And I've gotten really good at you know sniffing those things out. And so you don't have to speak in a language that doesn't feel like your own um, when you're writing these things. I don't think. Absolutely. I think infusing your personality into everything you do is important. And I would say that maybe authenticity is part of a pillar of this podcast, to be honest. Um, I think we both find it very, very important in our like daily lives and at work because you're doing that. You're living your life all the time and compartmentalizing isn't something I do well. So I just don't do it at all. So I'm going to write and speak like myself and I want to develop the right kind of value prop or I help statement to ensure that I do sound like myself and what I'm saying excites me. So maybe where I land next week won't be what I say a year from now, but it'll be evolution and it'll build on it and I'll feel it out and see if, you know, is that language resonating with the right people? And if it's not, what can I tweak to make it better? So again, I can track the right people and they can work with me and have an incredible experience because we're connected from just like maybe a sentence or two. Like it's really speaking to them. So I'm not doing this just alone. I also have a business coach who's helping me. She's challenging me to think this through and look at it differently. And it's nice to have kind of a business-minded person with an MBA talk with me through this, right? I'm not discounting a creative degree or an art major or anything like that. There's just foundational business things that might seem like I have to learn that are so duh to someone else. So it's so nice to have a person you can just bounce things off of. Yeah, I think that's great. It's like anything else, right? When you know the resources available to you and when you know that you don't have to be an expert in everything, it's much easier to delegate and sort of focus on your strengths. Yeah, definitely. 
What about, are there any times either recently or over the course of your career that you have gotten your own value prop really wrong, either because you thought you had to, or because you just weren't self-aware enough or like, what did that look like for you? Oof. I don't even know if I would have been buttoned up enough to know that I should be consistently talking about myself in a certain way or using language in a certain way. I think I used to just cater to my audience. And while I don't think I was like misguiding anyone, I would assume I was probably playing a little bit to what they want to hear. Oh, talk to me about your experience with digital. While maybe my experience with digital was only 50% of my career. Maybe I played it up and I talked way more to that just because I knew that's what they were looking for. And it's not, it's not a lie. You're talking, you're just, you know, leveling up that part of your, your work to make you sound like the best candidate for the job. I don't think I had the foresight to know that I should be speaking about myself in a consistent way. Well, and the things we say about ourselves change over the years, you know, like it, who's to say that like, oh, yeah. you know, my examples are sort of like, because to your point, I thought that I had to say things like this. This is part of the luxury that comes with being a little more senior in your career. You get to write your own story a little bit more rather than mad lib together, something that you mm-hmm. think an employer wants to see. And I would write things like I am passionate about building brands and that's not true. It's never been true. I don't think I knew that wasn't true as much as I know it now, but like I would write these things and it's like going on job interviews that I knew were really like poor fits. And I thought like, you know, this is going to be fine. I'm just going to make it work and it's going to be fine. You know, then I would be taken out of the running or I would remove myself from consideration. That was a good thing because like my own you know, value prop, whether or not it was very explicitly articulated was a, a very, a very poor fit for the the job that was, um, that I was interviewing for. Yeah. I think all of that probably happened to me and you said it much more articulately too. It's just, yeah, I think sometimes you're in situations where you're almost feeling desperate. You're like, I need the next thing. And you're actually, you're flailing. You're like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And you don't have the, maybe you didn't, you know, think through what's next. You just know that you need out of this situation. So then you're just kind of taking anything that's there or taking any interview that's there and then feeling bad when you don't get those jobs that you didn't even want. So I think that's a whole thing. And then there's the idea of like not setting yourself up to succeed in that same way. You haven't thought through what would be best. You just are looking at what's available. So then you can't even like universe any ideas either. So when they come up, you know, they're right. Um, So I think a lot of that speaks to just, you know, being a little more senior in your career is you, you get to understand and unveil like what's important moving forward. Yeah. And I also, you know, there's also no shame in just taking what's there. We need oh, to work. Yeah. We need to pay rent. I need to keep my lights on. So sometimes, you know, there, there will be a time, there have been times when I have, you know, jumped at opportunities that weren't really the greatest fit, but I didn't have the luxury of sitting around waiting to manifest my perfect job. Um, yeah. So I think that like, you know, there's no shame in taking a job where maybe then, and then you find out different things about yourself. And then that story that you're writing about yourself changes as well. Um, when you're in something that, you know, doesn't necessarily feel as though you, you dreamed it. And then it, it came out of the LinkedIn ether to perfectly <laughs> fit the story that you tell about yourself. Yeah. And I have said this before, and I experienced this through like my internships during and after college is 
I think there's just as much value in doing doing something and learning you don't like it than doing something and liking it, right? So you get start to weed out those things that don't fit into that persona or that value prop essentially. And that's just as powerful because you're not just assuming you don't like it. You have experience and you know you don't like that. So that just makes it, you get to tailor your message even a little bit stronger. Yeah. And the longer we do this, the more sort of, you know, textured these stories become, right? Like straight out of college, everybody's just like, I I studied comms or I studied visual arts, you know? And now like all of these little windy paths of like yeses and nos that we've been led down and let ourselves down allow us to tell a better story, have like, you know, given us really deep expertise in some things, have shown us what we do and don't like. And that gets to the sort of like differentiators of your value prop and why it gets a little bit more interesting the longer, um, you know, all of us are at this. Yeah. And I think that might be the root of why maybe the both of us, you know, didn't have this down for a long time is we needed to figure out that path and the squiggly line had to get really squiggly before it could even slightly straighten out. And it's fine if it's even squigglier after this. I think mine is. So you guys, we're going to go through a little exercise right now, live. Um, and then in the show notes, you'll have a link to download a worksheet. So if you want to play along, we can totally do that on the back end. So first of all, first pass through this, just listen. And then we will. you can come back and listen again with the worksheet. All right, Em, go ahead. Okay. The way that I think we should all think about this is everything's a story, right? This is my probably my second most piece of advice as a communicator and a content creator. And, you know, first is audience and second is story. So when you're writing to me, when you're writing a value prop about yourself, you're not the star of the show. You're the narrator. Your audience is the, is the heroine or the hero. And you're sort of guiding them through this narrative, right? So like, how can you write their story in a way that you sort of are like the benevolent omniscient narrator and that they face tension and they face conflict, but ultimately like there is, we hope, a happy ending. What kind of value do you bring to help guide them along that sort of narrative thread? What do you do when there's conflict? How do you help them when, you know, there's there's something a little bit sticky and what is the value that ultimately you bring um, to the end of the story? Yeah. So who's your audience? What is the conflict or pain or desire? And then what value can you add to alleviate those, those things in the middle? Yeah, how are you telling this story and how can you help make it as good as you can? You know, it's like my two questions again, for any value prop, as far as, you know, individuals and functions are concerned are just, how can I help? And why is my help different from everybody else's? And that's why you want to keep reading any story, right? Is because it's new and it's different. You are rooting for the person at the center of it, you know, which when you are giving this to somebody else, it's them, they're rooting for themselves. So how can you sort of show them that you identify with them and can be helpful to them? Yeah. I think this is a great message for kind of anyone, anyone looking for a job who has their own business, who's just starting out any phase in between. I think it's just a really great way to kind of develop again, your elevator pitch so that you can figure out how you want to be talked about and how you can tell your story more strongly to make sure your audience is receiving the message that you intend to send. Everything's a story. It all is. I don't, you know, even if you're just working in zeros and ones all day, you're still telling a story. We think. Yeah. I don't know how that actually works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, cool. Thanks y'all. You know, figure out how you're telling your story again, whether you are 
working on your own, whether you're a freelancer, whether you are a function at an organization or part of a function, or, you know, just figure out how you want to tell your story. And, you know, maybe it'll make you feel a little more empowered and better about your own work that you do every day. If it is tied to something that is as, you know, monumentous as slaying a a corporate dragon. So good luck with that. (laughs) There's power and there's power and clarity. So yeah, good luck with that. Have fun with the exercise and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Artist at Work. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Instagram and Twitter under the handle at artist at work pod. And our website is the artist at work.com. We'll see you next time.